0: Well, good morning, Central Heights here in the Worship Center in Nickel Hall. What a great day. What a great person that we gather unto. His name is Jesus, and that's why we're here. Today is called Commitment Sunday, and uh, we are going to be talking about how we are committed in response to the commitment that Jesus Christ has towards us and his church. You know, as a guy growing up, uh, some of my most cherished memories have to do with team. Um, There's something about being in battle, in the trenches, with other people who are committed with you towards the same goal. So uh, I've ridden the bus. I've played the game. And in light of the recent tragedy of this weekend where um, the Humboldt Broncos uh, bus was hit by a a semi-truck and I think 15 or so people have died, many team members, coach, Others support within the team. Um, I resonate with the statement that had gone out that um, this is something we all feel because for so many Canadians, uh, the game, the idea of being part of a team where you're working towards a a goal has been part of our story. Yes, we grieve as family, and, and just putting ourselves in the place of family members that will have lost a loved one, and we have, uh, within our own church, family connections to those that have passed away this weekend, but there's also this, this shared idea of being on a, being on a team where, where we understand that camaraderie and that oneness as they work towards a goal, and then having that all wiped out, um, we feel that. It strikes home deeply. And, In Canadians as a nation, because of our national sport, we feel it deeply. And maybe you haven't experienced, you know, in a sport, that kind of rightness of being On a team with sport, but maybe you've experienced in in an organization, in your company, or in your ministry, just this sense of rightness when when everybody is pulling together, when there's a unified sense of mission towards a common goal, and you fight for each other, and you fight for that goal. There's something that's so uh, deep, it's so satisfying, it's so right. It's so powerful that corporations will hire a consultant to, to orchestrate that experience in their companies and so they'll they'll organize a climb or some kind of group event so that they can experience that pulling together and obstacles and obst- opposition but fighting for each other and then fighting for that goal it, it's special it's powerful and it makes me think of the church because our calling is to be together on mission in a battle with obstacles For a goal that has eternal significance. This resonates with us as God's people. At Central Heights we've said our vision is a movement of more and growing followers of Jesus. Developing healthy churches for the glory of God and the flourishing of our city and the world. Where does that come from? It it comes from our relationship with Jesus. He's our impulse, he's our driving force, our catalyst, as as we're gonna find this morning. It's all about him, because Jesus is the one who says, I will build my church. Jesus is the one who commissions his church. Jesus is the one who empowers his church. So I'm gonna pray for us this morning. I'm gonna pray that we will pick up on Jesus' desire for us as his people, and that we will respond accordingly. Father, we come before you this morning and we know, Lord, that you have an eternal purpose, an eternal significance as your people. I pray that your Holy Spirit would take that, that our sense of passion and mission within us to a deeper level this morning. As we sense your commitment towards us, Lord, may our commitment towards you grow in every area of our life. In Jesus' name. Jesus builds his church. Jesus commissions his church. Jesus empowers his church. I want to look at um, some scriptures from that perspective this morning. Jesus builds his church. If you were here last week, you saw in Luke chapter 24, is Jesus did this road Bible study with two disciples on the way to Emmaus. And as he's with them, he begins to explain the scriptures that everything in the scriptures, that is everything that they had at that time, the Old Testament, pointed to Jesus being the fulfillment of all those promises in the Old Testament. Previous to that, we read in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus has asked his disciples the question like, who do you say I am? And Peter gets it right. He says, you are the Christ, Messiah. That promised one of the Old Testament. Son of God. Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And he says, you are Peter. And on this rock, on this revelation, on this person, Jesus Christ, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail. Jesus wasn't talking about a physical building. He's talking about, I'm going to build a people. I'm going to build a community whose whose foundation is set on me, on Jesus Christ, on who I am. Their identity will be found in me. And on this identity, on this foundation, I'm going to build a community. I'm not going to build solo individuals. I'm going to build a community of people. And they're going to be so powerful, the gates of hell will not prevail. In other words, the church is going to be on the offensive and the gates of hell, everything that's keeping people back from God's rule and kingdom, it's not going to prevail. The church is going to be victorious and powerful. The church, Jesus said, is I'm going to build. So if you're here this morning and you have a faith in Jesus Christ, understand that Jesus has you pegged as part of his church. It's not for the exclusive spiritual ones, but every person who claims to have a faith in Jesus Christ, you are pegged as part of his church. And that means Jesus is going to build you. He wants you to grow. He wants you to to develop, not only in your relationship with him, but also in your relationship with the people around you. Jesus wants to grow you into that. And he also wants to build it by adding more people, more and growing. This is what Jesus is going to be about. So I'm thinking it would be good for us to care about the church. And that can be difficult because the church is comprised of people. And sometimes it's hard to be in relationship with other people. People are imperfect. Sometimes people hurt us. We get wounded in these relationships within the church. But we need to remember that Jesus died for the church. He gave himself for it. He's committed to build it. We need to be there too. I just think it's smart. I just think it's smart to be about what Jesus is about. It, otherwise, it's like Jesus is building a house, and it's let's say it's just off the the shores of a beautiful ocean. It's on the rocky part, and. And as you look at it, he's building this massive structure. It's fused into the rock face. It's, it's built with beautiful materials of rock and steel and glass. And he's inviting you to be part of it and to be part of building this. Come on, join me. But you say, "Oh no, I, I got a better idea. And so you walk out close to the water on the sand on the, on the shore there by, the, by the, the waters as they're lapping in. And you, are, because you want to build a sandcastle, because you like building sandcastles. And so you're going to build a sandcastle while Jesus is building a structure that's going to last forever on the rock. You're going to build a sandcastle because I like building a sandcastle. Not thinking about, this is never going to last. The tide's going to come in, it's going to be gone. But what Jesus builds last for eternity. I want to be building what Jesus is building. And so as we celebrated last week, Jesus on a Friday dies as the suffering servant, but on Sunday he rises as the victorious king. And he's not going to stay with his disciples on earth, but he's going to leave them. But before he does, he gives them what we call the great commission. Jesus commissions his church. And we see that in Matthew chapter 28. I'm going to read from verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age Jesus gives his church a commission to touch all the nations. Where have we seen that before? So if you've been with us here at Central Heights, we've been going through the kingdom story. We started at the beginning of the Bible and we worked our way through the Old Testament and into the New Testament. We've we've slowed down there a little bit. We looked at the life of Jesus, his death last weekend, the resurrection. And here we are now, he's commissioning his church before he leaves Where have we heard about touching the nations, blessing the nations? Genesis 12, the call of Abraham, in you all the families of the world will be blessed. Where have we heard about this growing, being fruitful, multiply? Genesis 1, Adam and Eve, fill the earth, let there be more and more representatives image bearers of me, so that when people see them, they will realize, they will understand that God rules in this place. What's going on here in the Great Commission of Matthew 28 is a complete reclamation of the original purpose of Adam and Eve and the call of Abraham. God has never forgotten it. And now in the New Testament church, he's saying, let's do it again. I'm commissioning you with a call to the world. And the world will be blessed as followers as you share with them the hope and the proclamation of the message of Jesus Christ as they will change their identity from whatever they have their identity in to an identity in me. And that's why they're to be baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's it's an identification marker. They'll find their identity in me and then they'll walk in my kingdom ways, teaching them to obey Everything that I have commanded you. This will be the blessing that God talked about through Abraham as the church takes the message to the nations. In this commission, Jesus reminds them that He has all authority. He is the King. I mean, He just conquered sin, Satan, and death. And so they're not going out as as weaklings, they're going out under the authority and power of the King of Kings. It will be a battle. That's why Jesus talks about authority here in Matthew chapter 28. Our mission is going to be opposed, and so we need to understand that we're not going out under our own authority that we we are going out under the authority of Jesus. It's going to be a battle. That's why in Matthew chapter 16 Jesus talks about the gates of hell. There's going to be opposition. We're going to be in a fight. We're going to be contested. But if we submit ourselves to Jesus, who has all authority, we cannot, we will not lose. The gates of hell will not prevail. Is that exciting or what? And you can know this for sure because the third thing we're talking about this morning is that Jesus empowers his church. Jesus empowers his church. So let's strap our seatbelts on a little bit because there's lots of strands here in the biblical story that tie together. So, after we saw in Luke 24 where, where Jesus is talking with the disciples on the road to Emmaus, and he gives them this Bible study of the Old Testament where he, he shows that everything in the Old Testament points to him, Jesus, the fulfillment of all their promises, son of David, the Lamb of God, you name it, he is it. And then he, they run back to Jerusalem to tell the disciples, he's risen. And Jesus appears to them there, and he repeats the Bible study there with the rest of the disciples, showing him that all that was written, that Jesus had to suffer, that he had to die, that he would rise again, that here he is standing in front of them, the risen Savior, the fulfillment of their hopes and dreams is in Jesus. So exciting. But he tells them, he's got a commission for them. But he says, behold, I'm sending the promise of my father upon you. Luke 24, verse 49. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. They're excited. He's risen. But Jesus says, wait. Like, go to Jerusalem and wait. Because you need this power. In verse 50, it says, then he led them out as far as Bethany. That's the village uh, of Mount Olives, two, two miles east of Jerusalem. And lifting up his hands, he blessed them. See, before the disciples are to go be fruitful and multiply, Jesus blesses his disciples. His last act on this earth, I think we need to see this, is to bless them. Does that conjure up anything? Genesis 1, Genesis 12? Genesis 1, and he blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Genesis 12, I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. Do you see what Jesus is doing? He's bringing it all back, and he's blessing his church as he commissions them, his last act before he leaves them. Verse 51, while he blessed them, he parted from them, and he was carried up into heaven. They see Jesus going up. They go back. They're so excited. Their lives are filled with worship and joy. Luke, who wrote this in his gospel, also wrote the book of Acts. So it's like the two of them should be read as volume one, volume two. And look what he writes at the beginning of Acts in Acts chapter one. To them, Jesus presented himself alive after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. That's, hey, that, that's what we've been doing. We've been speaking about the kingdom of God. Hey, that's what Jesus did. When he had 40 days left with his disciples before he, he ascended, what did he do? He talked about the kingdom of God. That's what we've been talking about. Verse 4. And while staying with them, he ordered for them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So the disciples asked him a question. He says, well, don't worry about that part. But verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. And a cloud took him out of their sight. It's interesting that Luke thought these things that I've repeated to you were so important that he had to mention them twice, including the ascension of Jesus Christ. Yes, Jesus died. Yes, he rose again. We celebrated that last weekend. But it was also very important to the disciples to remember that Jesus ascended, that they had seen this miracle of him right before their eyes going up into heaven, They saw him ascend. This was no small thing and it's directly connected to the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in the life of the church going forward. See, the ascension of Jesus is like his enthronement ceremony. It's like if uh, Prince Prince Charles was to finally take the throne as king, you know there would be like this great celebration and there would be pomp and circumstance and everybody would see that the, the king has ascended to his throne This is what's going on with Jesus as he ascends. It's it's like the final coronation of his his role as as the, the God man representative before the Father, at the Father's right hand. That's where he's going as king who has all authority. It's a final demonstration to those who are going to carry out his mission. So, you know the story. The disciples see the ascension. They go to Jerusalem as they were told and they wait in prayer and then in God's perfect timing the Holy Spirit is poured out upon them. It's sat on them like tongues of fire and they're speaking languages that they've never heard before and, they, and they're out in the streets and, and, and the joy and the, the love of God is just bubbling up from inside of them so that those that had come to Jerusalem are, 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 they don't know what's going on. It's making a scene and, 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 and they're trying to understand what all of this is taking place and so out of that Peter gets up and in Acts chapter 2 he begins to explain the phenomena that's happening before their eyes. Peter says it all happened because Jesus was resurrected and ascended. Acts chapter 2, verse 30. Peter says David spoke of this. David being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, the Messiah, the Rescuer, the, the Son of David, He foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ. That's who David was predicting. That he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. Jesus did not stay in the grave and his body rot. This Jesus God raised up, Peter says, and of that we are all witnesses. We got that last weekend. We celebrated it. But Peter says there's more. Verse 33, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God. That's the ascended position. That's the place of power and authority. And having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. When was the Spirit poured out? After Jesus rose from the dead and ascended to his rightful place at the right hand of the Father. It's interesting in Ephesians 4 how Paul, the apostle, uses the analogy of a king that gives gifts when he talks about God giving gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers to the church. Paul uses that very scenario as a conquering king, giving gifts. Here we're told in Acts chapter 2, having ascended, he received the Holy Spirit. Jesus the Son pours out the Holy Spirit on his church, the one who will empower him, Jesus is the king and he wants his church to go out taking his rule by proclaiming the gospel, the good news of Jesus, living it out in loving ways and having people being blessed as they embrace that story. This is the team that we get to be part of. It's a church that Jesus builds. It's a church that Jesus commissions. It's a church that Jesus empowers. And I thought church was less like a place where we met once in a while. I thought church was like a take it or leave it event once a week, and for me, that's once a month. I, I thought the church was just like, I don't know, come together, sing songs, see your best friends. I thought that's what the church was about. Oh, we have so short selled the vision and the mission, the picture that Jesus has for his church. It's God's team, it's God's community, it's God's army on mission to bless the world. Oh, I want to play, you know, I want to spend my time playing video games, getting to the next level. And here you've got a mission. You can be part of the church, God's eternal purpose through his people to bless the world. Oh man, I want to binge on Netflix this weekend. I mean, that's where I want to spend my time. That's where I want to give myself to. Oh, that's so important. You're kidding me? In light of what we have as followers of Jesus Christ and the mission and the vision for His church, committed to one another, fighting for each other, fighting in the battle, in the trenches for this worthy goal that the world will be blessed through the person of Jesus Christ. We have said here at Central Heights that means for us that we want to be a movement of more and growing followers of Jesus, developing healthy churches. Why churches? Because that's what Jesus is building. For the glory of God and the flourishing, the blessing of our city and our world. So this morning I just want to move into our response. And this morning we're going to talk about obviously our response in regards to our physical building. But I hope you see that it's a slice of what is so much more. This is Commitment Sunday, and if you're a guest here this morning, um, this is a time for us as a church family to, to crystallize our commitment financially to making the renovation of this building happen. But I want to walk us through why, why this is important and, and how our response to this mission and vision of Jesus, that this is part of it. I'm going to suggest, first of all, that our response is, is first of all, to Jesus If we don't have a vibrant and alive relationship with Jesus, then this means so very little. Because first of all, it's about being in in love with him, receiving his love, knowing him, getting to know him better, growing in our relationship with him, obeying what he's taught us so that we can walk in his blessing. That's where it begins. That's our response, first of all, is to him. But then beyond that, these are the things I want to talk about, that we need to own our community We need to know our contribution and then we need to make our commitment. So let me begin there own our community. In Acts chapter 1, when Jesus talked about how they would receive power and they would be his witnesses, he says, You're going to be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In one sense, today especially, our community that I believe we should take responsibility for, and that's what I mean by owning your community. Our community nowadays really is the whole world. And Jesus had the whole world in mind when he commissioned the church. So for us, we do that through the support of missionaries who have come and gone, and we don't see them that often sometimes, but we keep in touch with them, and we support them financially, we pray for them. We do this through our partnership with our church in Mexico, Guadalajara, La Cantera. We do this with helping build water wells with GAIN, as we did this last year, through the sponsoring of children, like many of you do, through compassion. Then there's the, the, the web, which has become a frontier for us to influence the world through social media, through online resources, online mentoring. But we also have a responsibility to take the mission to our community here. Our Jerusalem is Abbotsford. So we have a mission to change and bless our city through the proclamation of Jesus Christ and to live out his ways right in front of the people that we live with from day to day. And this is why our building matters. See, in the process of reaching our city, in the process of having people hear the message of Jesus Christ, we need to be going. We need to be embedding and meshing ourselves in relationships, in places, in our city. We need to go Things need to happen out there that will never happen inside a church. But as we do that, as we build relationships, you want to be able to invite them into what happens here. Because what happens here is not insignificant. Here we worship God. Here we meet with God collectively together. There's a sense of God's powerful presence as we do that. Here we learn about God's kingdom ways. Here we're reminded that he is king. Here we're reminded about what our mission is and what our vision is. This is important. It's good for us who believe. But let me tell you, it's also very, very good news for those who aren't yet followers of Jesus Christ. And it's good for them to be here. That's why it matters what, what our building is like. Tom Rainer, he, um he's a researcher. He's done three years of research he spent on talking to people who he calls the unchurched, people who don't have a relationship with Jesus, people who don't go to church. They interviewed mostly people in the United States, but they also interviewed people in Canada. And here's one of the amazing things that he said. 96% of the unchurched are at least somewhat likely to attend church if they are invited. Perhaps we need to pause on this response, he said. Let me restate it: More than nine out of ten of the unchurched said they would come to church if they were invited. If you glean anything from this article, which he wrote, please remember this point. When they do come to church, Tom talks about what will they see there. He says, "In that point, your building really matters." Let me quote, as I have before, I simply resisted the idea, he says, that a clean facility could make an eternal difference. A clean facility could make an eternal difference. But after listening to 353 formerly unchurched and after six years of researching over 2,000 effective evangelistic churches, churches across America, I am the convinced skeptic. It matters very much. I want my city of Abbotsford to flourish. I want want people who don't know Jesus to be able to come into that beautiful relationship with him. And in that process, I know that I want to be able and and, and I want to be able to invite them to where I gather with my uh, fellow friends and believers in worshiping Jesus. But as they gather here, they need to be gathering in a place that's culturally relevant. That's all that matters, that is culturally relevant and right. And so our building matters because it either tells them that our gospel is relevant or it's irrelevant by our washrooms and our foyer and our, our, where we meet. It all matters for the more and for the good of the next generation that are going to grow up here at Central Heights Church. The leaders of this church have made a similar kind of decision a couple of times in our past. And we've said as a leadership we believe that this now is our time. It's another time. It's our time as we own our community. Secondly, we need to know our contribution. There are many contributions that when, when, you, when you make this your community, it's your time, your, your talent, the spiritual gifts you have, the passions that God has put in you. But this morning we're talking about our treasure, our finances. It's not unspiritual to talk about that. Jesus talked about money a lot. And we're just saying if, if, if our hearts are, are, are dedicated to Jesus, what is it that God wants me to contribute? What is my contribution? What is our contribution as a family? What is he inviting us into? And then our commitment. In 2 Corinthians, as Paul was talking to that church about their giving, he said Well, the amazing thing was is that you, first you committed yourself to the Lord and then to us. I'm going to ask the hosts at this time. They're going to hand out uh, pledge cards, and we're going to hand them out for each person to have a pledge card. I I would ask you just to hold that. Don't write on it yet. I'm going to give some instructions. Um, As we talk about that, I'll give you some logistics. But before I do, just to tell you how I've been encouraged. I mean, this is... You know, this is a first for me. I've never done this as a, as a lead pastor of a church before, and so it, it's, this is all new to me. It's a new journey to me, as it is for many of you. But I just want to tell you how encouraged I've been by people. Like a gentleman in his 90s, you know, telling, telling us, I, don't, I wasn't involved the last time. I want to be involved this time. He's investing for your future. Uh, a millennial telling me, this is, this is our generation's time. This is our time to step up and make a difference. And then, and then oh, a, a person who just recently started coming to this church and said, yeah, we're going we're to put our roots down in here, but are now living outside of our country, and we'll be doing so mostly for the next of two years, but said, no, we're committed, and, and sending you know, a pledge card saying, yeah, we're in from far away overseas. Man, that just blesses me. So as the host hand out the pledge cards, um, let me just go over the logistics for the next few minutes, and then after the logistics, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to have a few more people just share as to what they're building for. Then we're going to watch a video, and after the video, at that point, then we'll, uh, we'll give ourselves an opportunity to write on the pledge cards. So don't write on them yet, just hold on to them. And so let me just walk us through a few few logistics. Let me say again, this is an opportunity. If you're a guest here today, um, please, um, we don't want, like this is for our church family. We don't want you to give unless you absolutely feel like you have to. Okay, then we won't turn you away. But this is for our church family. And for our church family, let me say, this is an opportunity for each one of us. This, we do not want you to give, be giving out of compulsion, out of manipulation. Uh, I feel no need for us to to, to go that route. This is an opportunity. And what we're doing is we're pledging, hey, this is, what, this is what I feel called. This is what I feel that we can give to over the next three years. You're not pledging for a one-time commitment. You're pledging this is what we can commit to over the next three years. So we're spreading it out over three years. We want to remind you that our government is very favorable to this. And they treat your taxes in a really nice way because they recognize the contribution that the faith community makes to society and blessing society. So in British Columbia, if you pay tax, and if you don't, I'd love to talk to you. Um, If you do pay tax, know that for every dollar of income you have, um, or or, sorry, every dollar that you give charitably in this way, um, you your net is only 57 cents. In other words, you get about 43 cents on the dollar given back to you for most people. So $100 after your refund, you, you've, it really caught, you invested 57. If you invested 10,000 over three years, that's 5,700. You see, see how favorable our government to us is. So if I made a three-year pledge of $10,000 with the net after the government refund, that's about $158 per month over three years. All of a sudden, it becomes way more doable for some of us. Let me remind us how at the beginning of this Building for More campaign, how we said that we would get there. And again, like I said, this is new to me, but this is a chart that just shows you, you know, so many people need to be giving different amounts. we, we will need some people who are saying, hey, I have the means, I have the capacity, and I'm willing to give in a big way sacrificially, some big numbers. It will take that. But then at the other end, it's going to take lots of people who say, this is what I can give, and it may not seem much to you, but it's a lot to me, and I'm going to give it. And I believe that 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 touches God so much. What we're saying is this is an opportunity for all of us to take responsibility, to own it, and to give sacrificially without compulsion, cheerfully over and above what we give in our regular way to help support the ongoing ministry of the church. So in a few minutes, we're going to have an opportunity to fill out a pledge card if you haven't already Thank you to those of you who have already pledged, and what we're going to ask uh, that you do when, when we um, write out our pledges is that if you would just write on there what you are building for or what you are praying for so that everybody will be writing something at the same time, and, and if you have already pledged and this morning you're going, you know what, I want to pledge some more, we will not stop you, okay? Feel free to do that and just write on there, additional pledge, if God has touched your heart, I mean that in the most sincere way this morning. You may wanna write on there, today I committed my life to Christ, or today I recommitted my life to Christ, and just put your name on there, and we'd love to follow up that with you. God committed to us through his son, Jesus Christ, and I just think this is a way for us that we, re, we show our commitment, our response to what he's done for us as a people who are relentlessly on mission engaged in the vision that God has called us to, a movement of more and growing followers of Jesus, developing healthy churches for the glory of God and the flourishing of our city and the world. We're building for more because Jesus is building for more. So I'm going to pray. We're going to hear from a few. We're going to watch the video, and then we'll give yourselves a little bit of time to fill out those pledge cards. Would you bow your heads in prayer with me? God, every time I reread some of these familiar verses to me about your promise to build the church, about your commission to the church, about your empowering of the church, Lord, I'm, I'm moved. I'm moved, Lord, that you care that much about us and about this world. And I know that what lies behind it is the giving of your son his death, his resurrection, his ascension. I want to say thank you. May we, Lord, be a people that thank you in so many ways, the way we live our lives, the way we serve, the way we spend our time. And Lord, also today as we're thinking about it, the way we spend our money, I want to pray, Lord, for just the release in each of us to be free to hear from your Holy Spirit this morning as to what you want us to give towards this... uh, building the more campaign, to getting our building right and fit, Lord, to welcome the nations so that they can worship with us together and hear about you. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen.